Romans chapter 15. If you found that, why don't you stand? We'll read together God's Word. Romans 15. Let me take you down to the 22nd verse. Romans 15, we'll start at verse 22, and we'll read to verse 29. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of our God stands forever. Let's start verse 29. Paul writes, This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints, For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it. And indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in the spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Join me as we pray. Father, we pray that you might be honored here today. I pray for every soul that's in this building this morning that is in need of healing and in need of encouragement, and in need of of sensing your love. So in a way that is beyond anything I can do, Lord, I pray you would pour that out. For every man and woman that is not here and yet engaging online, Father, I pray that you would protect their families, that you would draw them close to Jesus, that the joy of the Lord might today be our strength. And so help us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. may be seated. I don't think it would be a stretch of the imagination for me to say to you that 2020 has not gone the way that we planned. If you're in school, you got to March, and there you found out that school is different. Many of you became homeschoolers, and you never wanted to be. Graduations were canceled. Trips were canceled. Sports now, going into the fall, has taken on a different look. I got a postcard from my alma mater, Walford College. I played football there, and I got a postcard asking me to purchase a cardboard person to sit in the stadium. (laughs) But I categorically denied doing that. (laughs) Plans. A lot of our plans are, have been changed. Some of them are inconveniences. Some of them are life changes. Some have to do with careers, visits, When you think about the church and you think about people that are in need of ministry, uh, COVID has changed. 2020, this is not how I saw us doing ministry when it comes to funerals and weddings or visiting those that are sick. How do you conduct Sunday school? Many of you sitting here today, you're... Future plans when you were in 2019 have been completely obliterated. 
not just 2020. For some of us, you take a broader view. Let's come off of 2020. Get tired of talking about it sometimes and open it up a little bit and a broader view of life. And really, did you ever think that this is where you would be one year ago or two years ago? Five years ago, is this the spot in life you thought you would be? I mean, we make plans and we should make plans. Paul made plans and we'll get to that. Making plans is in itself a really good thing. But there's so many things outside of our control that mess up our plans. Sometimes with a health issue, it seems like the last couple of weeks I've had several friends that have had something going on with their heart, whether it's a heart attack or a heart procedure or heart surgery. That can change your plans. Or maybe you are naturally a pretty uh, positive person, but something's happened this year as you look toward the plans that you had, something's happened to your mind and heart where you have been battling depression in a way that you never dreamed you would. That's not you. That wasn't part of the plan. Friends that we had at church and because of what's happened in 2020, have moved. That wasn't the plan in 2019. The poet Robert Burns, you may know the poem that he wrote to a mouse. We actually probably only know one line from it. That's that the best laid plans of mice and men so easily go awry. You finish that line out, Robert Burns says that they end in grief and pain. That's what plans do. They, as Robert Burns said, they go awry. We feel it. You feel it sitting here. Paul certainly felt it. When you read this passage, what you find bubbling up to the service is all of these plans that Paul has made. He's sitting in Corinth. He's writing a church in Rome. He's making plans to go to Spain. First, he's got to go over to Jerusalem. And you see all of these great plans that Paul lays out for himself and almost none of them, almost none of them come to fruition. So what do we do? What do you do when you, what you had planned for, your whole future, what you had planned for has suddenly been taken away? I think this passage deals with that. I think it points us in a direction of, of trust. I think that it brings us back as Christians to where we started. And we're reminded today in this passage that, that our plans always take a back seat to God's providence. Your plans. Our plans always. Whatever plans you have... For 2019, 2020, now we're looking toward 2021. It's a good thing to remember that our plans always take a back seat to God's providence. Here's what I want to do today. I want to take this passage. It's really just part of Paul's autobiography. And I'd like for us to go through it and just pick out uh, some principles. I'm just going to give you several things that I think you'll notice in the passage. Let me show you what I mean. Here's the first one. Number one. <clears throat> One thing we learn from this passage is that roadblocks are useful. Roadblocks. Now, roadblocks don't feel useful when you're going down the road and you come up on that block and it's frustrating. 
And when we're in life, something is dropped in our way. We're trying to accomplish something. That roadblock does not feel useful, but in God's providence, it is useful. Let me show you what I mean. You'll find it there in verse 22. Notice what Paul says. For this reason, for this is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. Hindered. If I were you, I would circle that word hindered. It's one that Paul uses over and over again in his letters. Hindered. He's hindered, he says, when he says for this reason. Well, what reason, Paul? Paul, well, you look up at what he's written in chapter 15, he talks about all of his ministry. He's been from Jerusalem to Elycrium. He's done all this great traveling, all of these missionary journeys. And he says, all of that, all of that just life has been what has kept me from doing what I want to do, which is go to Rome and then to Spain. Sometimes life just does that. Sometimes the word hindered can be used in a different way. When Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, do you remember that letter? 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. In 1st Thessalonians, Paul talks about being hindered. He doesn't say God does it. Paul says in that passage that Satan has hindered me. That's one way to think about the roadblocks that fall into your life. And sometimes it actually is uh, Satan doing that. Other times when, remember the story uh, in Acts chapter 16 when Luke is describing all the journeys that he and Paul have been on. And he describes this one journey in Acts chapter 16. And uh, it's really interesting. He talks like this. He says that at one point, the Holy Spirit has hindered us. And then he says in chapter 16, the Spirit of Jesus hindered us. And that same chapter, he says, God hindered us. I mean, Luke brings the whole Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and says, this is what kept me from doing. Sometimes the roadblock could be described directly as God doing it. This passage, Tom Schreiner, um, who's a great New Testament theologian, Tom Schreiner took this passage and, and when he translated the word hindered, he called it a divine passive. A divine passive. What that means is that Paul was passive in this action. The divine was acting on him. God was keeping him from it. Now I want you to think with me for a moment. If Paul had not been hindered from going to Rome, you and I would never have the book of Romans. Now, some of you would maybe consider that a blessing. For me, it would have been a heartbreak. I mean, think about it now. I've spent the last two years of my life trying to dig out what I think might be helpful for my own soul and for this church. I mean, so much of my ministry was being afraid of preaching the book of Romans. Here we have all of this doctrine and theology and, and strengthening for our souls. If Paul had not been hindered, we wouldn't have the book of Romans. Now, you can't see it right now, but there are some things that have been dropped into your life that feel like roadblocks. But those roadblocks are going to be useful. I've got to believe that a good and, God, a good and sovereign God working in 2020 and all of these things that I feel like have been thrown in, in the middle of the road for us to go around will be useful. How do we make them useful, though? How do we, how do we become that person? I would, I would just suggest a couple of things. One is I would suggest that you submit your plans to God. There are a lot of you sitting here uh, that really do like to plan. You have a plan. 
even a planner, something you might write in or uh, you have on your computer where you can look at dates and you get it locked in and you'd like for that plan to be there and it upsets you when that plan uh, is not completed. I would just say to all of us here, let us, you and I, take our calendars this week, this month, what you think ought to happen in the future, and just open-handedly submit that to God. Some of you didn't run up into a roadblock. Some of you had a roadblock dropped on you. Some of you have been hit so hard in your soul, it has knocked you on your rear end. And you're wondering what the next step is. I'm telling you to take the next step. Some of you that love to plan, you wish you knew what the future held. All you can see right now is the fog in front of you. I'm saying, we talked about this last week. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Elliot, um, do the next thing. I'm just saying to you, take the next step. This is me inviting you to make sure that you trust God completely. Possibly God has, has you right here to teach you some faith so that you trust Him and not what is going to be down there. Sometimes these roadblocks that, that God puts in our path, they're useful. Maybe God is getting you to the point where all you can do is just trust Him completely. Maybe you've been so confident in yourself or something else or someone or your job or your ability and now you're learning anew what it means to actually trust God. Trust God completely. I would suggest also that, that you fight off that, that bitterness. Sometimes I, I feel like this week I've run up on a lot of situations where I wanted to complain about some things. And not only did I want to complain, I actually did complain. Sometimes when the bitterness of the complaint comes up, it just feels best just to get it on out. I would just say to you, uh, that's not a good way to live life. God is not ever going to bless complaints. I would just invite you, when you feel that complaint coming up from the inside of you, up into your throat, toward your mouth to come out, why don't you, while you have the moment, if it doesn't escape too quickly, why don't you turn that into some sort of thanksgiving, some sort of way to thank God for something He's given you. Look around you. You've been provisioned, you've been blessed, you've been sustained. You, you, have, you have, if you're a Christian, you have the grace of God given to you in Jesus. You are cleansed and forgiven. I'd like for us to not only turn into thankful people, I'd like for us to develop a bigger view of God. You say, how big of a view of God do I need? One that is bigger than the one you have right now. So whatever, however big your view of God is, sometimes the roadblocks drop into our lives so that we can learn how big and great and good our God is. And I, I would invite you to seek to develop a contentment in Christ. You know, when you develop a contentment in Christ, some of those sins that have bothered you so long that plagued you are not going to bother you anymore. You're not hungry for that because you're well fed on Christ. One of the greatest blessings of being content is Christ is victory over old sins. And I would just add one, one other thing onto this when we deal with roadblocks in life, and that is that let's not forget that God does not owe us 
an explanation. That He is God and we are not. That He has purchased us by the blood of Jesus. We belong to Him. And His prerogative is to do whatever He wants with us whenever He wants. And we are to submit to Him in joyful contentment in Christ. And we learn the hard lesson, the fact that roadblocks are useful. I'm going to give you something else to consider. I hope will be a, a ministry to you. Number two, and that is good plans. Good plans often change unexpectedly. Now, some of you are good at planning, and it is a good plan, a good, a good approach to life. You, you can go uh, a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, and you see it lined out. When it came time for me, I lined out how I was going to preach through Romans in two years, what Sunday would have what passage. And almost none of that has worked out. So, so we should know that good plans can change unexpectedly. You'll see it in verse 23 and 24, part of, part of 24. Let me just read it to you, verse 23. So to get context, let's start at verse 22. This is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. So I have been hindered. That's the past. See that little phrase? But now. Here comes the change. But now, two reasons. Here's the first one. Since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you. Do you see those two reasons uh, that plan, plans change? Even good plans Here's the first reason right there in verse 23, and that is that sometimes the work just gets done. Sometimes whatever it, up, whatever it was you were doing, and God just gets done with using you in that region. The way Paul says it here is uh, verse 23, I no longer have any room for work in these regions. Now he's talking about from Jerusalem all the way up to Elycrium. He's done several missionary journeys what does he mean, no room? It's thousands of miles. What he means is, Paul earlier said, look, I have one calling in life, and that is to go and preach the gospel where nobody else has preached, a pioneer missionary, and now there are enough churches that have been planted that now the gospel is bearing fruit in those regions. I'm done with the work. Sometimes the plan you have God just gives you a release from it. The, the work's done. He's getting ready to move you. That's what, what's going on here. Sometimes this uh, good plan is just going to change unexpectedly. We've seen it in our own church. But there's something else here, too. You'll go with me uh, to verse 23 and 24. Sometimes an, an old affection or desire for family or home starts to intensify. Let me show it to you in verse 23. <clears throat> but now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, okay, the work's done, and since I have longed for many years to come to you. Now, for those of you that have been here the whole time, you might remember back in Romans chapter 1, it might be around verse 11 or so, when he starts talking about to the, to the Romans, and he, he says, I have longed to come to you. I want fellowship with you. I want to encourage you. I want my heart encouraged by you. I, I want to be there at your church so bad. But I've had all these other things I've got to do. Now we get to the end of the letter, and here in verse 23, Paul says, okay, I've carried this desire for a long time and finally God is opening up in such a way that I'm going to be able to fulfill it. Sometimes 
Sometimes that's what God uses in us to direct our path. The, the job is done. Affection has, has intensified. Sometimes when one, opportunity, when one opportunity closes, God puts in our heart to pursue another. Let me show you. Let me show you what I mean. You have to take verse 23 and 24 together. Paul says, But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, here comes the new opportunity, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped by you on my journey once I have enjoyed your company for a little while. His ministry from Jerusalem to Elycrium has closed down. He's got some things he's got to do in Jerusalem. We'll talk about that. But really now, God is opening up in his heart and mind a new place called Spain. It was known as Iberia at the time. It would be the outer edges of the Roman Empire that expanded through Central Europe into Spain. And, and nobody would heard the gospel out there. And Paul says, that's where I want to go. But to get there, I have to have a home base, and that's Rome. And God uses that affection to move us. I mean, do you see in verse 24, he ends it up in verse 24, he just says, I, I want to be there with you. I want to come to Rome. I'm going to Spain, but really I just need some company. That last little phrase in verse 24, uh, it's interesting to me. Once I have enjoyed your company for a while. Do you find it, I mean, think about who this is now. This is Apostle Paul kind of the most famous Christian uh, in history, the one that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, it's strange to think of him as a man that really just needs to sit down with some friends and spend time with them. That's what verse 24 says. That he just, he just, I just need to be around some people that are like-minded, that believe like I believe. And that points me to the third the third principle, and that is, number three, staying connected to the church is vital. I don't know what you're walking through. Maybe nothing right now. Maybe God has you here to help other people. But you need to be connected to the church. Staying, staying connected to the church is vital. Notice what it says in verse 24. Look at the language. You don't hear Paul talk like this very often. Paul says... I hope to see you in passing. I like that language right there. You got some guests. I like to hear them say, I'm just going to be coming through, not staying very long. Right? I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. I, I do want to be there. I, I need a home base, though. This is Paul. I need a home base. I won't be there very long. It'll be a short stay. But there's an important word right there in verse 24. It's the word helped. I would circle that word helped. It's, um, it's a technical word that's specific to missions. If I were a missionary, this would be one of the primary texts if I were talking to a church. That word helped is uh, the Greek word pro pim po. So you would spell it like this in English. P-R-O. P-E-M-P-O, pro-pimpo. It's a technical word that has to do with raising financial support. Paul is telling them, I'm coming there because I need a church to send money to me. Not only that, that word has with it the, um, 
the, the, the sense of a, of a logistical support. I'm coming there because I need a home base. If I'm going to get to Spain, I need somewhere almost there that, that is going to provide logistics, help me find the right ship to get on, help me to be provisioned, to establish a partnership. I need people in the church at Rome who are my friends. I might even stop by there. He did it with Timothy. I might even come through Rome and get one of those young men to come with me and help me in Iberia. We need a home church. You know, you know let me just take a missionary moment here. <clears throat> the greatest missionary service and the greatest missionary sending agency in the world is to be the local church. The New Testament model for reaching the nations is people within the church catch a vision for the gospel and for those outside of the church and then that affection drives them to go do. And here's the model right here. Is the Apostle Paul saying, I'm coming to Rome, I'm doing that, I'm going to spend a little time with you, but really what I need you to do is get me, get me ready for the next step. There are a lot of you sitting here and you, you wonder why you're at Hickory Grove. It may not be missions. It may just be that you need to be connected to a church that's going to preach the word, that's going to love you in the name of Jesus, that's going to make you a strong man or woman and get you ready for the days ahead. Staying connected to the church is vital. But before we start looking over the horizon to these great missionary endeavors, there is a a fourth thing to consider, number four, and that is that ordinary responsibilities still need completing. So think about Paul's plan. He's in Corinth. He wants to go to Rome so he get that church rallied around him so he can then go to Spain to do missions. But before he does that, look at these responsibilities. Verse 25 and 26. At present, however, in other words, that's my dream. That's what I want to do. That's my plan. But right now, I got something else I got to do. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia, they have been pleased. Watch that phrase show up twice. They have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the nations at Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in the spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessing. Now there's, there's a lot here. Let's condense it. Here's Paul's plan. I'm in Corinth. I want to go to Rome so I can get to Spain. That's really what I want to be doing. But before I can do that, I've got to take a detour to go to Jerusalem. This is how much of a detour it would be. 2,000 mile detour. And that would be terrible on a jet airplane. Now think about it if you were Paul walking on pit and pat, walking across the continent to do it. Or, or getting on some old boat to get there. Paul says, I, but, but I've got to do it. A 2,000 mile detour to Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? Well, Jerusalem's the home church. That's where the original church was. They've fallen on hard times. Jerusalem's a, a tough city. Everybody in the world's come through there and knocked it down, and all the folks there are poor. Paul says, I, I have an obligation to those poor folks in Jerusalem. I've, I've gone around to the churches, and I've taken up a collection, and people have been ecstatic. In fact, 
2 Corinthians 8, you can go read it sometime, how the people in the church were so happy, so happy to give. Did you know, um, did you know that giving is the Christian impulse? That's what happens. In fact, he uses it twice here in verse 26 and 27. He says that they were, they were so pleased to give, so pleased to give. Let me tell you a little bit about giving real quick. Why do we do it every Sunday? Well, giving should be a, a joy. Uh, giving should be, according to Paul here, should be spiritually motivated. He said that the people that are Greeks are giving back to this Jewish church because the gospel came from them. From them they feel obligated. Giving should be a display of gratitude. We, we give because we're so thankful for the constant provision of God's goodness. And not only that, we give because of something spiritual that's happened in us. That, that giving material is an indication of something spiritual. That giving really is a, a spiritually motivated event. That giving is is the regular ministry of the church. In fact, we do it every single week. We give, and then the church as a whole then distributes. We give to the poor, even. Paul even said, that's the, in Galatians, that's the very thing I want to do, is give to the poor. It, it, it reminds us, honestly, giving reminds us, showing mercy reminds us of the goodness of God shown to us at the cross of Jesus. It reminds us that our Lives are not our own. It reminds us that Jesus died for those that don't deserve it. That's me and you as recipients of grace. One of the things we, we've got to remember as we look toward all these great things and people wanting to do great things for God, and I pray that you sometime get to do that, let's not forget that the, the ordinary responsibilities of, of ministry, they still, still need to be completed. One more thing I'll give you, maybe two. You'll find it in verse 28 and 29. And this is mostly for those of you that are nearing the age of retirement. Or, or maybe uh, you retired early, you were able to do that, and you still feel healthy and strong, and you're wondering what to do next. And I will just put this on you. There are some dreams that never die. Some dreams, some especially those missionary dreams, those desires. That's what Paul had here in verse 28. You find him, notice what he says. <clears throat> Paul says in verse 28, When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I'll leave for Spain by way of you. In other words, once I take this long journey, I have these obligations, I've got to take care of them, I feel obligated to carry this money I've collected to the poor folks in Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters there. When I get that done, it's not a glamorous thing, when I get that done, I'm going to put my attention back on going to Rome so I can get to Spain. There are some people here that you've, you've done the necessary things in life, and now God has made it so you should do some of those dreams you have for missions. Last Sunday, um, a friend of mine who pastored University Hills Baptist Church here in Charlotte for a long time, his name is Coy Still. He's a Ph.D. from Southern Seminary in theology, uh, just a brilliant guy. He wanted to be a, a missionary, and he and his wife went off to India. But uh, while they were there, something happened 
and they had to come home for a family emergency and then they started having children. And so he started pastoring a church here in Charlotte, raised his kids. And finally, uh, some of you parents can understand this, finally he got rid of all those kids, get them out of the house. And once they were gone, he and his wife then looked back over and went back into the mission field. Sometimes those dreams that God puts in you, they stay there for a while while you do the necessary, and then He awakens those dreams again. Some dreams, well, they never die. I would end it with this verse, verse 29. It's, a, it's an unusual turn of phrase that Paul puts here. And I think it just reminds us that, that regardless, it's good to hear Jesus is Lord over all. Look what he says there in verse 29. Let me point it out to you. Paul says, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. What a strange phrase that is. We don't see it very much. The fullness of the blessing of Christ. You and I as Christians, when we dial in to what it means to have the fullness of the blessing of Christ, that takes us in a straight line right to the cross of Jesus. And there we see the perfect life of Jesus. Jesus on the cross having the wrath of God poured out on Jesus, emptied out on Jesus, so that any sinner that believes in Jesus, this is what you're believing, that Christ gives you His righteousness, He takes your sin when you turn and believe. When you look, not work for it, not clean yourself up, not become a better person, when you look to Christ, the Bible teaches that you'll be saved. Look, I want you to make plans. I want those to be good plans. But I want you to remember that any plan you make in life always takes a back seat to God's providence. You hit a roadblock, hey, sometimes those roadblocks are useful. You feel like you had good plans for the future, sometimes those good plans change unexpectedly. One of the things you need to be is connected. God has you here to be connected to the church. It's vital. You have some ordinary things to do. You got Monday coming, you got things you have to, obligations you got to take care of. We, we've got to, we've got to make sure those ordinary responsibilities are completed. But don't worry, some of those dreams you've had, they're not going to die. Because Jesus is Lord over all. And I'm praying that you will come to Him, rejoice in Him, and rejoice in His Lordship over your life. You join me as we pray together, and let's close with a, a few thoughts with your heads bowed this morning. To go to the Lord in a time of commitment and prayer. In just a moment, we're going to sing, and when we do, that'll be, that'll be you worshiping. And I pray that you can worship with a heart that's turned to God by faith in Jesus. For any of you here or watching online that have, that have not Giving your life to Jesus Christ, that's what we're talking about when we say Jesus as Lord. We want to hear from you so we can explain the gospel and go, go through it and be able to pray with you. Some of you right here this morning just need to confess to the Lord, even in your own seat, confess to the Lord that you've been bitter, that you've questioned. God has brought you here today to renew your contentment in Christ. 
to, to open your heart to trust Him, even as you can't tell what's going to happen in the future. And be reminded that your plans will take a back seat to God's providence. Father, thank you for the good grace you show us in Jesus for this church. And I pray that you would strengthen our hands for the work, that you would be found, that we would be found faithful, that you would make us faithful, that we would operate and live in your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.